Hello and welcome, everybody. What's going on? We have a banger of an episode for you today. Haley Ruger joins me. It's fantastic. We've been trying to collaborate on something for the past five years. We met at YouTube Space LA, the most <laughs> collab, collab-oriented environment you could ever ask for. And this is it. This is the first collab, and it's it's a wonderful thing. It's beautiful. I really enjoyed talking with Haley. She's just so honest and so sweet and so genuine, and I'm just so happy that... I have a friend like her, so I'm very happy she's on the show. In other news, we got merch, baby. NicholasAndTally.com slash shop. Get yourself a Burb Life sweatshirt. We got pins, too. You can put them on your jacket. And stickers. Oh, man, I haven't shown anybody yet, but the stickers are available. They're live. I've ordered mine, and I love them. I got one smacked on the back of my laptop. They're the perfect size, too. They're not too big. They're not overwhelming. It's just, it's a, it's a good fit, you know? It's a real nice fit. They stick. They do their job. Anyway, oh, also, there's a... No, I'll just let you have it. There's a surprise in the middle of this podcast that I I really think <laughs> I think you guys will find interesting. All right, enjoy enjoy the podcast and please leave a review. And the 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 podcast is trying to grow, so if you can share this with a friend, if it, if you learn something, if it resonates with you, if you just enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. And I will see you on the other side of the podcast. All right, bye. Hello and welcome. This is the Nicholas Italia Show. I am your host, Nicholas Italia. We have a very, very, the most, the most special guest, Haley Ruger. Seasons greetings, Haley. <laughs> Seasons greetings. Hello, everyone. Mm, hello. Um, man, this is like a long time coming, huh? This it's this collab. <laughs> Seriously, what is it, like five years, four years? It's been, yeah, it's been five years. And I hear if you've been friends for seven years, you're lifelong friends. Like that's, that's when it's forever. It's when you're locked in. Okay. So I'm going to head out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call it quits right now. Yeah. Just right before that seven year mark. I mean, that's pretty smart. I'd, I'd probably, probably try to take like the next two birthdays to at least get some birthday gifts out of it. But then. That's true. What else yeah. do gifts? I do roasts, remember? Oh, are, that's is that is that going to be a forever thing? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think I'm locked in for that. Yikes! Do you enjoy it? Do you feel do you feel more loved or spited after your birthday roast? Here's the thing. So yeah, so for my birthday, I don't like attention. I in general, I don't like attention from a lot of people unless they're like teasing me or making fun of me. But all my friends were like mad that I wasn't doing like a birthday party or anything. So I was like, okay, well, we can do the roast of Haley Ruger and you can all come and roast me. And it was great. So, man, teasing is your love language. That's that's good to know. (laughs) (laughs) I think it might be, honestly. This whole this whole next podcast is just going to be me insulting you for an hour and a half and you loving it. (laughs) I'm going to walk away feeling so loved. And Nick really knows me. He made fun of me the whole time. That's, that's what I'm here for. That's what I thought this was, honestly. Right. It's a it's a podcast roast. That's not a bad idea. Just like bring people on and they have no idea what the podcast is about and just hurl the <laughs> <laughs> torch I, them. I kind of love that. And honestly, I don't know what we're talking about. So that, that could very well be you, you know, know what's what? happening. Let's get into it then. Let's right. let me let me tell you what we're talking about today. Talking we're talking about, about <laughs> talking about politics. <laughs> okay, so first of all, I'm gonna say I wanted this to be a conversation wrapped around like social media, right? Mm-hmm. But like 
I just I just can't stick to that topic with you. Like there's so much to you that I <laughs> I just cannot wait to talk about. But the first one being is you're born and raised. I'll say Torrance so you can say it. You're born and raised in T-Town. T-Town. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, man. Represent. And so being being born and raised in T-Town, I think to myself, like, oh, man, I wonder if she's met any celebrities. But the, fur- <laughs> the, the further I dug, you not you not only have blue check marks following you and things like that, but you spent... <laughs> You spent an entire day with One Direction and oh, Jerry gosh. Springer. That's right. Because you won a contest because content contest because you created an anti-bullying campaign. What is that all about? That's insane. Oh my gosh! Well, first of all, if you do your research on T Town and you look for the celebrities, you would know that I am the celebrity. Oh, your face am, popped up right away when I yes, Google searched it. I am Torrance's finest um, <laughs> hometown hero. No, <laughs> nobody knows who I am, and it's great. Um, no, yeah, that was that. That was great. So that was when I was in like peak um, One Direction obsession. And here's the thing: <gasps> I was six. I was sixteen when I like fell in love with One Direction, and I was seventeen mm-hmm. when we did that um, broadcast. And I don't think that there's anything like more of a rite of passage for a girl than being just obsessed with a boy band or like right. it's just like some sort of like celebrity crush. Um, but yeah, so that that was great. I entered this contest with Office Depot and One Direction. Um, I made a video mm-hmm. like using their products, like how I would use them to. Uh, do this anti-bullying campaign and then um, yeah I won and I met these amazing girls and I'm still in contact with a couple of them today um, it was it was just honestly like a really cool weekend it was really that's fun. crazy that's insane yeah. so yeah. you're like I can just imagine because I had I had a fandom of Ariana Grande that was through the roof and I uh-huh. don't know like realistically I think I always like in my head talked about my self-talk is like, man, if I met her, like, oh, I would swoon, you know? Yeah. But being right next to them, did did you, were your nerves there? Were you going nuts? Did it feel real? Did yeah. Did you, did it, or did it be like, oh, these guys are just people and I should stop this fandom? Yeah, that's the thing. I, I think when I was 16 and like first got into them, I would have like just been, you know, starstruck you know um but mm-hmm. i don't i think i'm like i was 17 i was grown okay i oh, was yeah. i was an adult no um but i think like at that point it was like i kind of I, I hadn't grown out of like like totally loving them but i was just kind of like a little older and it was more just like this is a really Hi. cool experience yeah. yeah and like and they were really nice and um i don't get starstruck anymore like i don't i just don't that's i after that I, moment no, not after that moment. I think just like, because I have been in situations where I've, I, you know what it was, was when I was a teenager, I was all about like networking. So like, even how I mm. met you at YouTube space, like I would meet a lot of like celebrity YouTubers or whatever. Um, and this was back in like, I don't know, 2013, 2014. The boom, the boom yeah, of the tube. Yeah. Yeah. It was like when people were like just becoming like influencers. Um, mm-hmm. And so I met a lot of them back then. And I think I was just like, because I was around it it didn't really like it and like now I work with professional athletes and I just I don't get 
starstruck. So it was just cool. They were nice. It was cool. It was fun. I was just living it up. You know, that was, yeah. It was Taking it really all fun. in. Yeah, exactly. That is cool. Well, I'm glad to hear you <laughs> see them as people now. Cause my, my next one was like, you met, you met David Henry from, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is the way place. but that, I mean, I learned that through a story that you told me, not yeah. through research. But what I did find in the research was somebody had posted on your wall, like when you're 13 or 14 or something on Facebook, and you're like, wow, he's so attractive. And I want to know if that there was a little bit of that when you met David Henry, which if you don't know people at home, Justin, Wizards of Waverly Place, like, come on now. I don't remember someone posting that on my, did I say that or did they say that? They posted they posted the picture of him and you said, Wow, he's so attractive. <laughs> the whole interaction was just kinda odd. Oh but. my gosh, that's so funny. Well yeah, I mean the fact that I was probably like fifteen too and he was like, I don't know, twenty one at that time. I don't know how yeah. much older he is. Um thirty five, forty five. No, no, he's pretty I think he's <laughs> in his late twenties. Um he no, there wasn't like I, I that was another thing where I won a random contest. I got to FaceTime or Skype with him and um he was working with this uh, makeup company and I, we talked about like, you know, like, I think I was like a good demographic because I was a college student, you know, I think I was yeah. a sophomore in college. Um, and then we started talking about like our faith. We got on the topic of faith and then he um, invited me to like this Bible study that his friend like put together. And so I actually spent some time, uh, you know, going to that regularly. And I met one of my really, really good friends, through him. Um, so I don't keep in touch with David anymore, but he's like married, has a kid. He has his own, um, you know, life, life going, going on. on. Yeah. yeah. But, but no, there wasn't like a, um, I didn't meet him and I wasn't like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> like he's a handsome guy. But at that point yeah. I was like, this is, this is a dude who's, you know, I, that yeah. wasn't where my mindset was. That was very 15 year old Haley, I think. I'm starting to realize you're a big contest person. I, and the <laughs> fact that you keep winning these contests is kind of, it's kind of impressive. Yeah, I I think I don't know why I won another one too. I won like this uh, corksicle contest with Bethany Hamilton, and I got like what the corks. <laughs> I don't know why I win like these random contests. But like I, since then, I haven't won any. So and like I oh, but I do win scratchers a lot. Like I win like five ten bucks on scratchers. Oh yeah. Hey, I'll I'll take it. Any any Back W is a good W. I know. <laughs> Maybe you, it's just you stopped entering them. It's not that you're not winning them anymore. Maybe you're starting to feel bad and you want to give back to your community. Let let the rest of T-Town enjoy some wins in the contest realm. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe I'm like, I should let like 15-year-olds meet One Direction at this point and not me, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe Which 23 is a little too old to be uh, entering hey, these kind of 23 parties. is never too old. Don't even get me started. <laughs> I already feel like a geezer. Um, How old are you? I'm 23. I just, I just hit there. I just hit it, but I do feel, I feel, feel like I'm ready for retirement sometimes. You know what I mean? Oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that's from, but no, <laughs> I'm sure I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do some research on myself later and see, yeah. see if I can come up yeah. with a solution to my age, yeah, self ageism. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Now we're going on to music and oh. you come from a musical family, which is mm. pretty dope. Um, I know you have three older brothers. I don't know how many of them play, but I do know your dad helps produce a lot of your music. And mm -hmm. he was like always playing the classic rock growing up. Mm -hmm. um, 
So then, you know what? Let me see if I get this right. You tell me. <laughs> so you went to film school in San Diego, and then you're like, eh. And then you switched it to business, and then you're like, eh. And then you spent like a couple months really taking music seriously. Um, did you feel like you had to be something once you started focusing so much on music? Like, did I feel like I like had to make it a career? like be famous like yeah I think more of like the pressure of being famous being so close to LA and then also just like that seems like I don't know like a lot of the creative space and creative crafts like end up we get those mindsets of like oh man the only way I'm successful in this is if I'm famous yeah you know what I mean yeah yeah yeah. here's the thing like I think um Torrance (laughs) T-Town is um (laughs) thank you (laughs) it's um Torrance is great because it's not in like this it's in like LA County but it's not in the city of LA so we don't I mean like there's like pressures you know in every hometown in Torrance like they call it like the city with a hometown feel so it's like oh it's, wow that's like, their slogan <laughs> I mean no it's not but it was like our no. snapchat geo filter and then they uh. painted and then they painted it on the side of our taco bell like I don't know why. oh wow so it became I'm the best thing. restaurant in, in, in Torrance in T-town, yeah um no but yeah, so, like, I mean, there are pressures and, like, it's kind of a bubble, the whole South Bay is. So there were there were pressures of its own, but I never felt like, oh, I live in L.A., I need to be something because I'm, like, this creative and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I was a teenager, I definitely wanted to be famous. A lot of my, uh, you know, like, like, I loved writing music, but also I was, like, I want this to be my career like I remember like crying talking to my parents like let me drop out of high school and do homeschool so that I can focus on music and they were like "Um, no like they were like that's hardcore yeah 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 and I'm glad I'm actually really glad that they didn't let me do that because it's not what I want to do uh as a career now um yeah but I think like during that stretch in college it's actually interesting I didn't feel really a pressure to like make a career out of it or, you know, make myself known or anything. I actually was kind of just trying to like it again. Like I, I don't know what happened when I was in high school. I loved, 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 loved writing music. I wrote a new song every week, like no problem. It was, it, I mean, I don't know how to say this, but it came easy. The creativity was flowing. Yeah, Yeah, it just came easy to me. And then I went to college and it just didn't. And it was really frustrating. And so in that whole space, um, between leaving film school where I, you know, switched to business that was at the same school um, and then starting at community college for a little bit, I just, I was kind of just like, can I write one song that I actually enjoy, you know, like, and so that was kind of my goal. And then I went back to school and then ended up transferring and kind of found a path that made more sense for me. So do you still play for fun? I do. Yeah, I don't. um, I don't. I feel like that mindset, it's been hard to shake. Like, honestly, like the past five years, like since I started college, it's been hard to write music that I actually like am proud of or enjoy. Um, but I think that also comes with just like putting more pressure on myself than I did when I was 16. You know, like it was just yeah, fun was, when I was 16. Yeah. Are, is it just like the the perfectionism or just like the harsh self-critique in you that, you know, is like suffocating that part of music um yeah I would say that it's it's like this self-critique like it's Mm. it's I mean I I think when I write stuff and I show my parents they like and my friends like it and then I'm like okay well I'm never gonna 
do anything with it because in my mind it could like be better and then I'm like it doesn't matter it can just be fun it doesn't have to be perfect but I don't know so I kind of just it's until I love it again I kind of keep it to myself you know yeah um I get that I think you know that's really hard I've been I've been doing something very similar with um so one of my new year's resolutions was to do this podcast every week and create Mm -hmm. a video every week um and then in the video like creating I try to make it more funny, you know, but um, it's come to a point where I'm like critiquing them so hard and like I keep trying to tell myself like, dude, this is the thing you're supposed to be doing for fun. You know, like you're you're already doing a bunch of other stuff that you don't like to (laughs) just to survive or have a living. But it's like this is the thing that you like and now (laughs) now you're taking the joy out of it. You can't do that. Yeah. Um, So I I totally resonate with that. Yeah. It's super weird how we like. Um, I mean, these things that start as just like, oh, this is an interest, a hobby. And then we get like super passionate about it. And I I feel like at least for me, like as soon as it turns into something that's like, like I have like, like I'm the same way, like with my videos, like I have a game plan. I have videos right now. I have stuff that I want to put out there, but I don't because I'm overthinking it or I'm like, I don't know, like it just stops being fun because I'm making it too serious. You know, you and I have talked about YouTube and how you know it's just it's I think I feel like it's a common thing for um people who make videos or make art or make music whatever and put it out there like I start to overthink it and then even though I have like all these plans and in my head I'm like they're really good my friends might tell me they're good but then I just don't do anything with them I don't put them out there because I I don't know why but it just it's like and you overthink it and then nothing is ever posted and I don't know you, you start to think like, eh, well, it doesn't matter. Like no one's, it's not life or death if it's out there, you know? Yeah. And I feel like I get the most, when it comes to like posting certain things, I think I get the most concerned when I'm like mixing up my style, you know, mm-hmm. like when there's an idea that I want to do really bad, but like the past six weeks I've done this one style of video and it seems to get a good, good feedback. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. like, why am I putting so much pressure on this to like be so afraid to switch it up? It's like, yeah. Your audience typically, or like the people you, you, you're showing it to, like they keep coming back because they like your stuff and they like you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's it's a bummer to overthink creativity because it's like, I think when I see other people's things, like when I see your type of creativity, I'm always like, oh man, like Haley's so creative. I love that she does this and all of these things. But then when I, you know, you look at your own stuff, it's always like magnified. The critique is yeah. 30 times more harsh (laughs) yeah that's that's why everything gets left in the in the freezer yeah we're our own worst critics and it's like that's like a blessing and a curse because it you know forces us to do better but also it sometimes forces us to do nothing you know like we'll create and then do nothing with it you know or don't make anything at all yeah and I think lately I've been like trying to have the mindset that this is like this is like one of those weird things where it sounds bad, but like somehow it's reassuring. Like I've been posting things with the idea of like in a year from now, people probably won't remember that I posted that. So this is good. Mm-hmm. This is a good learning experience for me that to put this out there that I can learn from. So next year when yeah. I'm posting stuff, it'll be better. And mm-hmm. I've been trying to live under the the scope of like most most of the embarrassing things that I remember about myself most of the time it's probably just me that remembers those things so if something really sucks 
chances are it'll probably blow over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I like that mindset, actually. I've been trying to think of that, like, with my social media, just, like, Instagrams and stuff. It's, like, first of all, no one really cares. Like, nobody does, you know? Like, it's yeah. it's you know, a picture or a video or whatever. And also, like, it. I don't know. Like you're saying, like a year from now, but also just a couple of days from now, no one's gonna mm-hmm. be thinking about, you know, a picture you posted or anything like that. Right, but there's like the flip side of it is like everything that you do create still matters, though. Like the mm-hmm. value of what you're creating doesn't go away, and the value that you're giving to the people that are seeing it doesn't go away. Yeah, it's like you still have influence for your audience, but you have to be able to let you have to be able to not get in the way of yourself so that you can do those things almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. And I think like for me, I've been thinking about that a lot. So like I, it's, I mean, it's different like with my job, obviously like what I do for my job matters in a different way because it's for the company and you know, like that stuff matters to me. Um, Mm -hmm. But on my personal stuff, I've been trying to like think, with you, you know, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or Twitter or whatever, like I've been really trying to like think about my intentions behind posting and, uh, I don't know, just, am I, what, what, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I want, I mean, most of the time, like if I post something to Instagram, it's because I have something I want to say. And so I just like, my caption is where the reason I'm posting it, you know, like if it's a, a nice message or whatever, um, but, you know, sometimes it's like, am I just doing this to get attention? Am I doing this? You know, like it's, I don't know. I feel like that's a good way to kind of gauge what we're posting. And then, but, but when it's, you know, your YouTube or your job or whatever, it's a little different because it's, um, you're trying to build or upkeep a brand, you know? Yeah, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I'm just trying to think like, because I ask myself those questions too, right before I post something and... Mm-hmm. Um, my, I'm always like, well, if you're really going to post, like, why don't you tell them, you know, like that they're, that they're loved and they're valued. And it's like, ah, it's okay to be funny. <laughs> like not, yeah. every, not all of my posts have to be, um, so, so in depth, but like, yeah. it's like even those things, like, why are you posting it? And like, those are always great questions to ask. And I, I try to do the same. I just. Like, I I can almost never justify it to myself good enough, though. So I think that's the same self-critique, and that's another hindrance that gets in the way. Yeah, well, that's... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, that's the flip side. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I ask myself those questions and stuff. But also, it's not that deep. It's just social media, you know? Like, and if you you think, you know, this was a fun picture or a cute picture or whatever, and you want to post it, like, it's... It really doesn't have to be that deep and that's also that's also what I think about before posting I'm like you know I think my main thing with that is if the intentions are because I want to post it and whether that's for other people to you know read the message attached with it or Mm -hmm. because I just think it's a fun picture a fun memory or it's you know celebrating my friend's success or whatever it is um yeah Mm-hmm. Or I just like it, you know, <laughs> like it's yeah, not yeah. that deep, you know, I don't know. I think, but I think like the main thing for me is like, because social media is, uh, we get wrapped up in like our attention and our gratification. That's like the big thing that I'm like, 
okay, let's step back. Am I doing this just because I need some likes to feel good about myself? Then don't post it, you know, like, then that's stupid. Not, not like saying people who do that are stupid because I do that, but you know what I mean? Like that's, (laughs) that's a, that's a stupid reason for me to post because I know better, you know? Yeah. To, to find your value in that stuff. Yeah. there's, There's like, uh, the pros and cons of social media are always like, I think the biggest cons for me is like my my FOMO, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, but what if I miss something my friends did? But it's like, why? Like, yeah. if you were really friends, they'd probably text you that they were doing it. Yeah. Or um, just, I think the other thing that I'm starting to notice more, like, for whatever reason, comparison hasn't always been an issue with me, but now I think it's more of like the addiction, like mm. the inability to not check mm-hmm. you know what i mean i think like those are cons that really stand in the way of my but like on the flip side it's like really great because yeah. you know you you keep in touch with friends that you don't um always get to but what i'm yeah. curious to to hear your opinion on is how would you define success for social media in a personal sense and like you're saying in a company sense like branding mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this is like a job and like I've literally had this question. Where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> no, but like when you're getting interviewed for like social and marketing jobs, like they ask you these kind of things like what's success? Um, I don't know. I mean, I am lucky to work with um, really creative people and really people who trust my creative um, control, like I do a lot of copy for social um, Mm -hmm. and they just trust me with it. um, And, you know, I learn from them and, uh, and they, you know, also let me learn from myself. And so I can kind of see what's working for our brand and what isn't. Um, And I think from that standpoint, um, you know, I don't, part of my role really isn't like the, um, analytics or the metrics or anything um I kind of am more just like the live you know I check live like what our engagement is and stuff um yeah so I mean I couldn't give like full reports on how we're doing but that's kind of like I I can look back on a tweet on the brand site and see like okay I could have you know judged that up a little bit you know like I could have made that a little spicier for you know like (laughs) you know I could have made that better for um the fans and the our audience too, uh, and it probably would have gotten more engagement. But um, I, I mean, yeah, I think from a brand point, you kind of just look at engagement. You look at, um, I wouldn't, I mean, followers, yeah, but I really think it's in the people who are actively engaging yeah, with you. Yeah, and I think like my biggest thing because I've been doing social for, uh, I mean, since my dream since pre-k i came out of the womb doing social media um (laughs) that's right um no but i've been doing it since i was in school and i think my biggest thing has always been have a real relationship if you're a brand have a real relationship with your uh followers because people can sniff out you know fake they can sniff out fake yeah and they know authentic from not and um I like to just have fun on the brand account with our people, you know, like a lot of my job is, is going and looking at 
our followers' tweets and what they're saying, and, you know, they get excited when, when there's engagement there. Um, so, I mean, and they don't know who I am. You know, I'm just you're the la kings you're the angels (laughs) i mean i'm i'm neither of those but you know i'm you know but i'm just kind of behind the scenes but yeah i think in a on a personal level um i don't know it's weird i literally when i and i'm i'm thinking more like instagram like because that's kind of what i use the most when i post to instagram i don't i guess i I check after I post, like, to see if I'm getting, you know, likes and stuff. But usually there's, like, one person that I want to like it. And I don't really oh care about gosh. anyone Are else. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's, your, that's your success if I get, if I get um, one. No, no, no. No, I'm not saying that's my success. <laughs> I'm saying – what I'm saying is I don't, like, look back and see, like, oh, this only got, like, 47 likes or whatever. Yeah, like, I don't yeah. – that that doesn't matter to me. Um, I don't – I literally don't look at the number of likes that I get – I just kind of like, I don't know, but I, I'm not going to deny that there's like a, you do get like a um, gratifying, you know, oh, high yeah. from, mm-hmm. from getting engagement from people. Um, but I don't know what makes you successful on a personal thing. I think, I think I've kind of like my mindset of social has just kind of changed over the years. And I'm, I'm kind of just like, this is my page. This is what I post. I don't really care if you follow or not you know like I'm trying to just let it be what it is and uh not not make it such a big deal that's smart I think I think yeah I think the strategies are much different between branding like a a company and a brand than Mm -hmm. personal I feel like the personal side is more like mental emotional and the brand side is like pushing sales and engagement yeah (laughs) But uh, I, I do want to talk about the, the company side again because of I just feel like the brands on Twitter are wildin'. Like, oh, my wh- gosh. Yeah. What is up with that? Like, Wendy's is just like the, the level of savagery yeah. among brands now. I mean, one, it's incredible to watch. But two yeah. is like I'm I'm like that's how they're choosing to break out in the social space. And yeah. it is nuts. Like, it, when did that become okay? <laughs> I don't know. And, like, I I always find it interesting which brands, like, because I see, like, in the sports world, a lot, obviously, there's a lot of, like, roasting between brand, yeah, you know, yeah, team Twitters teams. and stuff. Yeah. And, like, trash talk. Yeah. And, like, that's, it makes sense because it kind of has a, has an established, uh, it's already kinda an established thing. Yeah. 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 But then when you see it, like, from restaurants and stuff, like, I, I don't know. I think it's um, it's just interesting to see, and I, I, don't, I don't even know. I don't it even feels know. more scandal, scandal-like. Or it does, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, Wendy's and Burger King going at it. Or, I, like, I think I've seen, like, Pop-Tarts getting a mix of stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, how does Pop-Tarts have a Twitter account? Yeah. Kool-Aid Man, I see him tweet, oh, yeah, like, 40 times yeah. a day. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> I'm like, this is. Is that all he tweets? <laughs> you know what? I can't say I follow him, but I see a lot of oh yeah right. tweets. They're always promoted too. <laughs> yep. They exactly. really are busting through the wall of my timeline. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, not expecting, and there it is. <laughs> oh yeah, and wham! In- incoming Kool Aid man. I love it. Uh... But it's it's really though like. It's great free advertisement for them if they can get 
like enough people <laughs> wound up in what's going yeah. on or like whatever they said that's savage I, like honestly i i probably am more enticed to go to wendy's because of their twitter being really savage. and that's well yeah i honestly yeah because if like if there's a burger king and a wendy's next to each other and wendy's won the roast on twitter <laughs> i just have a little bit more respect and i'll probably go that's <laughs> so funny see that like for me it's so funny because i don't like i don't know maybe i just like my things and i don't really like it's weird. It's weird to work in social and then, you know, I understand marketing and stuff like that. And I don't, that just, it doesn't have an effect on me. Like I see that I'm like, okay, I still don't like, that's not going to make me want to go out and buy this. Like, unless I'm craving a pop tart, you know? And I almost don't know, like, are they, I know that, I think that there's different approaches for it. And I think that's just to get more traction. I wonder if it's not even to get more people to, buy their products it's more just let's build our following through this comical kind of voice that we have here yeah i agree and it's for sure all a game and i don't think i would like like i don't think i'm succumbing to the the game as like kind of what you're saying of like oh my gosh they're so funny i'm gonna buy it right now but i do think (laughs) it has like a tad bit of influence and the most interesting thing is um so i've been trying to I've been trying to kind of watch like how companies do advertising Mm -hmm. and target specific people and like what makes people want to buy their stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, it seems like all of these companies are using this type of funnel that'll lead them to um, eventually buy a specific product and they'll show you the same product six times on your timeline until you click on it. And then once you get there, you get upsold another product and it's like, man, like they have got this down to a science. Yeah. Like this, this social media is like the tip of their funnel to take you all the way through to buy something. Yeah. Like I think, I think those big companies like that are very strategic. Yeah. Like it's it's savage and it's funny, but like you're saying, like the comedy is to pull you. Yeah. In. Yeah, and I think that there's a thing. I mean, one of the first things I learned about in college in my social media courses was like brand loyalty and like. How do you get your followers in and in for life, you know? And I think a lot of their um, these tactics that you're talking about keep customers around for life because, like I said, like, it makes them feel connected and an authentic kind of thing. And I think, I think that's, like, kind of a plus to these silly and, you know, like, mm-hmm. little Twitter feuds and stuff because it's all, I think, good-natured you know like yeah they're competitors but like they're not you know um I think cutthroat yeah yeah I think um I think it just gets I I mean it reels people in and I think it's a you know it makes them feel more like there's a person behind the brand you know so yeah I agree which is it's kind of crazy to think about brand loyalty because I for sure like like, if I feel like there's a company that's giving me a quality product, like, you know, odds are I'm willing to pay more to have the quality product. Yeah. But, for example, I saw a, a video, like a viral video or a video, whatever it was, on Hydro Flask and how, like, their manufacturer sells them in bulk for $4 and they're being upsold for $50 to us as consumers, which I get that that's the business, right. but that means there's other people ordering from the same manufacturer that's probably right next to Hydro Flask but I'm going to choose Hydroflask yeah. <laughs> because it's the brand I know. Yeah. Isn't that wild? That's weird. 
it's yeah yeah. It's crazy it's that we have, and we just like in our brains, we just justify, even if we know it, we're like, yeah, but I want this one. Cause I, you know, it's just <laughs> weird humans. We're just sheep, you know? It, yeah. It feels that way at times. Yeah. Big woolly sheep. Honestly. And it's, I think the other side is social too, right? Like if they can make it cool enough to make me feel cool when I have yeah. it, make my friends make me feel cool. Cause I have it. Yeah. It's an endless cycle. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I mean, like you're saying, it's all a game. They know what they're doing and we know what we're doing, but we're doing it anyways. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. I guess, consumerism, you know, just part of it. Amen. Amen to consumerism. <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I got, I want to ask you more things. Ask me them. Um, so the thing that I'm intrigued about Oh, boy. You're laughing. I'm not laughing. Um, I'm laughing, but I'm not laughing. Okay. So you did competitive figure skating for 10 years. I did. And my my first question is, how do you get into figure skating in Southern California? How? how? <laughs> you know? So many people ask me that. Well, you know, I think I had a birthday party there when I was like six or seven. Oh, dang. And then I just, I don't know. I was playing soccer uh, since I was like four. And, mm-hmm. you know, every little kid plays AYSO, you know. Um, and I started, I wanted to try figure skating after my birthday party. And there's a rink just like a couple blocks away from me. Um, and I started group lessons. And then I found a, uh, you know, my, my full-time like one-on-one coach. And I was, yeah, I was with her for the entire time. We're still very close. Um, And yeah, I don't know. I mean, people ask me that all the time and I really have no other answer other than I was interested in it and then I liked it and then I liked it more than soccer. So I started doing that. Yeah. And it, it was really fun. It was a really fun way to um, express myself and be creative and, uh, you know, get my exercise in and. And it was different. I like that I did something different. And yeah. I was not a super competitive kid. Um, so team sports, like, I was, like, into it. But I didn't have, like, the same, like, aggression that other girls in soccer did. Edge. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of, like, figure skating, yeah, you're competing against other people. But it's so individual. You're You're just trying to keep leveling up on yourself, you know? Yeah. How... How demanding of a sport is it? Because it seems like it's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, it's demanding. Um, I had a an interesting experience with it. I think I had a not super normal experience with figure skating because I had a mom and coach who cared about me as a person before a figure skater. Um, and I know mm-hmm. that there are a lot of young skaters that – unfortunately didn't have that experience where like it was kind of just like you will be the best of the best you will go to the olympics you will you know like and my my mom like kept me in it because i liked it and i was good at it and it was fun and it was good exercise and you know and my coach i loved my coach and she was always um encouraging and also really good about um she obviously coached me on the ice but she was also about formation of the whole person you know like she a lot of her lessons uh 
stuck with me off the ice and helped me grow into, you know, who, who I am. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's demanding it. Um, I definitely, if I wanted to be at an elite level, um, it would have been a lot more demanding than it was for me, but it was, I think for me, well, I'll say it this way. For if you want to get to a high level, very demanding. You know, you have to be very um, disciplined. And a lot of my friends, like, they competed at very high levels and they really didn't have social lives. And they, you know, uh, would wake up at five in the morning to skate before school and then skate after school for hours. And then, you know, they'd have their off-ice training and stuff. And I did off-ice too. I did I did those kind of things. But for me, I stayed in um, – the division that was more just it was competitive but it was more fun and it wasn't like the track you take yeah, you yeah. take yeah to get to the olympics um but for me it was demanding in the sense that like i put the pressure on myself and my you know and my coach put the pressure on me a healthy pressure to help me do better for me you know and um i still ate crap and i still Nice. Yeah, I, that's living life. Yeah, I still <laughs> hung out with my friends. I still did the beach. I had a lot of things I liked to do as a kid. I feel like I still had a normal childhood um, because it, mm. it didn't. It wasn't the goal. wasn't to be a professional figure skater. It was this is something I'm going to do for my exercise for fun. I love it, and I you know I quit when I was 17 because I had wrestled for about a year and a half with kind of falling out of love with it. And at that point I was going to go off to college and it was like, well, we're not, you know, it's, it's an expensive sport. And if you're not really going to take it seriously anymore, like we kind of have to make that decision, you know? Yeah. And so, and it was really hard. I really didn't want to, I, you know, it was emotional and it was, uh, but I think it was kind of the right thing to do at the time. Cause I think I would have driven myself into a wall and just like, you know, hung up my skates for good had I not had I just tried to push through it, you know? Yeah. Um, so why, why, how, and why were you falling out of love with figure skating? Um, you know, it was around the same time that I was really getting into music. I was like 16. Um, and yeah. so like for that whole year, cause I quit my senior year of high school, I think when I was 17. And, um, I think I was just, like I said, like finding other things that I really liked. And I was, I also got injured. I don't, I don't know how I forgot about this, but I got injured um, in middle school. I started having knee problems. And uh, yeah, so I had to wear a knee brace, like, you know, every time I skated. But then. You were the knee brace girl? <laughs> no. I oh, mean, man. I brought it to school sometimes. I remember, like, wearing it over my jeans so that people would ask me, like, what? Oh, gosh. <laughs> no. You didn't. I was oh I was twelve. Give it a break. What's wrong, baby? <laughs> don't, don't make me don't laugh. No, oh my gosh, I'm gonna go into a coughing fit. Um, no, I, <laughs> yeah, but I I got injured, and we found out like in high school that it was patellar tendonitis, and that was kind of basically it was just a huge setback in in my career. It was like, all right, everything's gonna take a little longer for me to do because now I can't jump for. X amount of months, you know, because it's too much strain on my knee. And then I snapped my rotator cuffs. And so it was like, now I have to go to physical therapy for my knee and my shoulders, you know, and um, 
So it's just like all these injuries and it was like all my friends are working on their triple jumps and I am back to starting my doubles again because I got injured and couldn't jump for this long. So it was just kind of like I don't see a future where I'm going to be enjoying this for a long time and continuously getting better. So I um, I don't know. I wanted to, to quit on a on a good term, you know, and it was before college anyways. There wasn't a figure skating team at the college that I went to, so it was kind of just like, Right. I think that this is a safe place to say this was a good 10 years. And, um, you know, it was, I don't know. And now I've gotten back into it and playing hockey and stuff. So I'm, yeah. I'm back and I, I was going to say, how is that? How, how, is, yeah. how does it feel to be back doing something you were so passionate oh, about? Oh man, it feels good. It, uh, it's weird. So I, I became a hockey fan about two years ago and I, from watching them, Every time, every time I go to an ice rink, whether I bring my skates or not, I'm like, I want to skate. Like, just being there, I just want to get out there, you know? The sounds and the smell and just, like, the feel of it and watching other people, I just – I think that's just always going to be ingrained in me. Um, right. So when I would go to hockey games or watch hockey on TV, all I was thinking was, oh, my gosh, I want to skate. And so I put my skates back on for the first time in – okay, I was uh, 21. So it was, like, four years, five years, I don't know. Um and I uh, just went out, started trying things again, was really bad. And so for the past, like, two years, kind of just um, getting back out there. Relearning. Yeah, relearning. And I'm bad at everything. And it's frustrating. And, um, you know, I've realized that I have to go back to basic basics. And, I, and, like, I can do, like, you know, old jumps, old spins and stuff fine. But, like, my shoulders and my hips aren't aligned anymore the way that they used to. And it's like, it's not really muscle memory. Yeah. It's like, I have to reteach my muscles cause it's been a long, <laughs> it's been a long time. And then also like learning how to play hockey are, it's a completely different um, way that you even stand and like put pressure on your feet. And it's just, uh, so my whole body's confused basically <laughs> trying to like relearn. Where am I? What am I, what am I doing? Yeah. It doesn't know every time I'm on the ice, but it's fun. It feels really good. And I think, um, cause I started to learn how to play hockey, I guess like officially like this time last year. And I think that's been really nice to come back to the ice rink and the skating world in a new way. That's really challenging. Um, because it, it's yeah. it's almost like a it's a welcome back and it feels like home but it's like this new thing where it's like it's okay that I'm bad at it because it's new you know and it's I don't know yeah. I love trying new sports and new things and things that I'm not good at so I don't know it's it's been fun yeah new almost gets rid of that pressure, yeah so to speak. yeah you know and no no pressure usually means a little more yeah fun. um that's that's interesting because I. I, last year I started trying to play baseball mm -hmm. again after having taken a few years off and I had a very similar experience of like every time I went up to the plate I was I was whiffing yeah. pretty good mm -hmm. and <laughs> it's just I don't know it's it's humbling in a weird way it's like humbling but satisfying to know that you're doing something you once loved and you still have this like you still get the sense of fulfillment out yeah. of it um, yeah it's a so that's yeah it's it's, it's just it. it's just yeah. a 
weird thing. Like I, I have this like motto that I kind of developed a couple years ago to try something new and be bad at it and try it again. And like, that's just, and I like it. Like I really like being bad at something because I know I can only get better. And I guess it's, you know, you can incorporate that in going back to skating or going back to even music or whatever it is that I'm redoing and be a little forgiving if you're, if you suck, you know, (laughs) it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's the whole thing about overthinking, just like have fun with it. Yeah. And that's, that's a good point. I think that's been like an underlying tone of most of what we talked about is like this, this need for perfectionism, Mm -hmm. but like the willingness to, to spit out grace to everybody else but not yourself yeah. is <laughs> why do we do is that it's a tough uh, tough character flaw you know? <laughs> yeah gosh it's so frustrating oh man but eh it's growth that's true it is okay um so now i feel like we've also kind of we've we've jumped on and off of this topic and it's mental health mm. and you have been like vulnerable and outspoken about these things Mm -hmm. in such an honest and true form um and here's here's what i know and you can fill in whatever you'd like you you got sick at age seven Mm -hmm. um and you developed ocd Mm -hmm. and you had anxiety Mm -hmm. um what was it like knowing and growing up with something like that at such a young age so early mm-hmm. on um yeah I like oh that's correct yeah and I I went to therapy because I that's age seven because I started getting so um I mean nervous to sleep over at a friend's house nervous to I mean anything I just had like a, a an intense fear of being away from my parents. I had an intense fear. I basically at that age at seven, eight years old thought that everything depended on me. Like the entire weight of the world was on my shoulders. Yeah. Like I would, I thought like if I didn't say like, good night, God bless. I love you. Like in that order to my parents, then like something bad would happen to them. Like I just had like these like extremely irrational and really, um, awful, like hard things for a little kid to, be feeling and um my therapist at that age was so good at helping me and I I must have gone when I was a little older because I think I think I developed the patterns and I I remember seeing him when I was like nine or ten but anyways he um he was so good at helping me realize like what it was you know and it was this thing called one-time learning where I took this like you know the traumatic event of me being sick and then applying it to like all these situations that have no relation, but in my head, I, they did because I, it was the way that I understood it, you know, um, it was the way that my brain just made a a connection between them. Um, but yeah, it was hard. And I think when I look at it, I just feel bad for that little girl, you know, she was so little and just felt so stressed and scared and, um, I don't know. It just makes me feel bad that that there was so much pressure I put on myself um, to, I don't know, like, 
save the world. Like I really, I really, in my mind, I thought it all came down to these little, um, we call them have to do's because I felt like I had to do them. Like, and that was our little nickname for them. And I, and it all came down to those things. And I don't think it's that uncommon. I've talked to, you know, people in my life who have had similar things around that age. Um, and definitely, I mean, it's obviously, you know, me, like, you know, that, you know, the anxiety and those kind of little, um, things have come with me as I've grown up, even though I've like worked through the ones that I had as a kid, but yeah, I don't think it's that uncommon. I think, uh, people just might not talk about it too much. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when I was a kid, I, I had similar pressure, but I didn't have, I don't know. I didn't really recognize a lot of my mental health stuff or like like more of the depression stuff mm-hmm. than anything else until I was later in high school. But I think as a kid, I always felt pressure to solve everyone's mm-hmm. problems and like like adults problems. Like if I overheard somebody having a problem as an adult, like I put it on myself to want to solve mm-hmm. it. Um, but I'm curious, ha- backtracking your own life, have you discovered any of where those roots are like why did that little girl feel that way at that age yeah there was um there I mean like getting sick was traumatic for me because I like physically like so basically like I can trace it back to I went on a field trip to an aquarium and I must have contracted some virus from touching all the things where all the little kids you know sticky hands or everywhere um to to this day I like haven't gone back to that aquarium because I'm just like um (laughs) but but um so I I ended I like physically got sick for the first time like at my friend's house and for some reason it just I thought that every time I went back to my friend's house that I would get sick um so that was like a that's Mm -hmm. what my therapist at the time had told me like that was the one-time learning thing like I connected her kitchen to you know getting sick to my stomach and um I think so like that was traumatic for me and then I also at that time like my mom's no yeah my mom's dad had passed away when I was five and then my dad's dad when I was seven and then my mom's mom when I was nine and so my brain made a pattern And I thought my dad's mom would die when I was 11. Like, I thought every two years a grandparent died. Yeah, so it was like the way that my brain – I don't know why, but the way that my brain worked back then was – It's all very logical. Like, those don't seem irrational in any sense. It was just making patterns. And I think that that's – I mean, it kind of connects to one-time learning. Like, my brain was making a pattern of if I go to this place, I got sick there once, so I'm going to get sick there again. You know, like – and. Um, so I think there was just a lot going on in my, in my life at that time. That's a lot of, um, you know, uh, difficult and traumatic things for a little kid, like having three grandparents pass in, you know, that short of time when you're that little, um, it's a lot to process. Yeah. So I think when I look back, I think that that kind of, uh, is a root of it. Um, and I think, because I had a, I have a, an amazing family. So I think a lot of, I've been to, I've been to a couple of therapists and some are, have been amazing and some have been 
you know, not for me. And um, I think a lot yeah. of therapists will be like, well, your family life, like, maybe it wasn't good. And I'm like, no, it was good. <laughs> like, I, you know, yeah, so yeah. I, um, and I'm actually really lucky and blessed that my parents acknowledged that at that young age of, you know, eight years old, nine years old, it's okay to take her to therapy and it doesn't make her, you know, crazy. And like, you know, I think a lot of parents, uh, disregard mental health and my parents were like no we're gonna go get her help because she she needs to talk to someone about this and so I'm really lucky that therapy has always been and mental health has always been something to take seriously and to uh be unashamed of it in my household yeah that's amazing well it's amazing that your parents were willing to go to those lengths because I I mean I don't I don't know but I feel like in many cases parents would rather not accept the fact that their child is dealing with something significant because mm-hmm. it's not, I mean the other thing is like you put age into perspective and you could just say oh they're just a kid mm-hmm. they don't they don't really know how they're yeah. doing and it gets blown off or put to the yeah. side um so kudos to your parents for yeah. that um a shared experience that we both have that probably I I mean looking back on it now i'm sure it's probably for the best but we've both had very low lows Mm -hmm. um can you describe when your mental health was in one of those all-time lows and then how you grew out of it yeah um I'm like, which one? Um, no, but <laughs> <laughs> and I shouldn't be laughing. It's not, it's not funny, but it is like, it's, yeah, same. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. It's, it's, I just mean like, I don't think, you know, for me, I can look back and it's, my heart is lighter for it, you know? So it doesn't, I don't, yeah, but I, same. but I, I think, um, yeah, I think in college, I experienced a lot of low lows and I, uh, you know, I don't know how to say this without, you know, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I definitely put myself in a position um, where I was just with someone that was not good for, for how I saw myself. And I kind of abandoned a lot of, um, uh, positive feelings about myself and abandon a lot of, um, standards I had for myself and just my self-worth. And, um, so that was definitely like a, a real low, low. And for me, it's funny because I thought, I don't know. I think, I mean, for one, I'm still obviously like growing so much and there's still so many things that I'm like, oof, thought I already learned this lesson, but here I am learning it again. Um, yeah. But I think I got myself out of that one, like, to be candid, like, through God. Like, I'm, you know, I don't think that I I have said this before. I don't know where I would be without my faith, you know. Um, and two, like, obviously my support, my family, my friends. Um, and therapy, I'll say it again, like, just a good therapist really helped me get out of you know, where I was. And I, um, I think also on a more personal note, it took me a long time to choose myself. And like, I feel for side note, I feel like 
that saying is thrown around so often. Um, and there's so much about like self-love almost to the point where like, I feel like we're all getting kind of selfish and we need to like, I don't know, chill, you know, like I think, I think self-love can be like, yeah, we still gotta be like good people and nice people. But, um, I think in, in the sense that I'm talking about back then was, I just was like, enough is enough here. You know, like I'm so tired of being a doormat. I'm so tired of, um, feeling these things. And, and so I kind of got myself out of that, you know, relationship. And that was a huge step for me. But I think, um, at this age, you know, I'm like two years out of it and I, and I'm, you know, full disclosure, like I'm back in therapy and getting, working through things that I didn't back then because, um, because I just didn't, I don't know. Uh, so I think, I think, professional help I can't recommend it more I think it I think everybody should see a therapist I just do I think it's uh it's so or a counselor of some sort I think it's so just it's you're not we're not wired to keep things inside and to have like someone who knows what they're talking about and who will like for me at least like I do well with my therapist because she helps me see things in a way that's not just, you know, like saying, yeah, you were hurt and that sucks and everyone sucks for hurting you. You know, like she helps me see the other side. And I think that that's so significant and so important for my growth um, to be able to look at the other people in situations and look at, um, look at situations from different perspectives and to see, okay, so we're somewhere where maybe, maybe this was clearly written right in front of my face and I chose to complicate it, you know, and like things like that where, where, um, I don't know. I just think that, you know, she's super helpful in helping me, uh, uh, get, get through things in a way that's actually helping me heal and grow and isn't just me saying it's sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely get that. I agree with you. I, I think, in large part, there's not many who go through a childhood unscathed mm-hmm. of any trauma or a life without any. Oh trauma, yeah. Um, in in varying degrees, for sure. But um, I agree with yeah. you there. In regards to the relationship that was putting stress on your your mental state. Were there any signs before you got into that relationship <laughs> that you missed? Oh my gosh, then... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I sorry, finish your question. I'm just oh my gosh. <laughs> but, well, I, the other half is is um, what would you say to someone that's currently in in a in a relationship like mm-hmm. that where it's it is damaging? Yeah. Well, first of all, yes, there were there were signs and then there were also red flags. And, um, I think the difference being, this was my like first real relationship. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know, um, him very well. He didn't know me very well. And we kind of just like, we're like, whatever. Yeah. Like this is happening and it was exciting, but we didn't know each other very well. Um, and I think 
that was a sign, you know, that, that I'm not putting blame on either of us. Like that was just a sign that we weren't ready to be in a relationship. Um, and then there were red flags and there were things that, and my experience, um, things I wanted for myself and standards I had for myself that I compromised, um, whether because I felt insecure in myself and needed felt like I needed him, you know? And so I was just like, well, I'll just shove that aside because I want him, you know, or it was things that kind of, um, maybe his actions made me feel, uh, insecure in that same way, or made me feel like I can't leave this person. Um, I think it's really hard to give like one piece of advice for people in situations like this because I think it varies in their situation and my thing is always um I have so much empathy for people who are in situations where they can't or they feel like they can't leave or um yeah yeah yeah, if there's you know a threat to their safety or their kid's safety or their family whatever it is like that um I just I don't even think I have a um I don't know. Like, I don't, I, mean, I don't have a place to say anything about that other than that just breaks my heart. Um, but in my situation, like it wasn't to that level of intensity. Um, but it definitely was an emotionally not, not good relationship. And, um, place, yeah. yeah. And I think my thing would be, uh, I'll say it this way. I wish if I could go back and tell like 18 year old me just, know who you are before before the guy you know know who you are before you're getting into this know who he is really know who he is um there were things that I just ignored and I swept aside and we communicated them but I I made the decision to say that's fine you know I I can I can put up with that or like maybe he'll change or maybe this won't matter so much to me in this time or whatever it was um and then um I think I would also tell myself, like, that was getting into the relationship. I would also tell myself throughout the relationship to almost, like, remember who you are. Like, uh, know your worth. Like, that's such a huge thing that I just, I mean, you follow me on Instagram. I post it all the time to my stories. Just know your worth. It's, uh, It's such an easy thing for us to kind of brush aside when we're getting attention or affection or whatever from whoever it is and um you know I can look back on my relationship and say oh wow like that was those were two people who didn't know each other didn't know ourselves um and you know I've talked to him since and it's fine like I I, you know it's no there's no hard feelings there um it's more just like I feel bad for again I feel bad for younger me for not knowing who I was and not being able to say, this doesn't serve me. This is, um, this isn't good for me. This is making me sad all the time. And like, if it's making you sad all the time, like that's not love. That's not, that's not good. You know? If you stop liking who you are, who you're becoming. Yeah. Oh, that's huge. Yeah. And, or if you like, I mean, I started not even knowing who I was, you know, I just was like acting in a way that was so different from who I was at my core. And I remember 
because we were on and off and every time we would break up I remember like going back to who I was and like just feeling so like at peace and excited to know me and I think I think it's really important for everybody to have a little bit of time in their young adult life of being single and just getting to know themselves and like really knowing themselves and I'm still at that point where I'm like yeah I've been single for a couple years but I don't know if I've ever fully committed to just let's just not even think about you know like when I go out like not even think about if a guy's gonna talk to me or anything let's just enjoy this season of singlehood and um all the opportunities that I have right now that I won't have you know, in the future when I have other people that depend on me. Yeah, that's, that's for certain. So it's, it's like, it's being grounded in who you are. And I think the other thing is like those little temptations, Mm -hmm. like it's like, it's instant gratification in a person. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the reason you text someone at 2 a.m. Yeah. It's the reason you go on Tinder. Yeah. Tinder. <laughs> and tender. Chicken tender. It's the reason you order chicken. Oh, my God. Tenders. I want them. Um, it sounds so good. <laughs> go on Wendy's Twitter. Um, oh, my gosh. No, you're right. Yeah. But, yeah. It's uh, it's That's also a thing that I have been trying to instill in a couple girlfriends of mine and, and in myself, too, is – you know, um, first of all, you don't always need to have a person. Um, and I'm like flirty by nature. And so I just, I just like to flirt. <laughs> I just like, you know, <laughs> big, old a big old stinking flirt. Um, but it's like, it's, it's, uh, I don't know, something that I'm trying to, to really think about is like, again, with intentionality, like, what am I doing here? Like I was talking to someone recently and, and I brought up intentions and I'm like, let's, we should talk about what intentions are, are going into this. And, um, I think that's just, I don't know, another thing for whether you're dating or single, like, am I getting on this dating app because I'm actually in a space where I want to meet somebody and can emotionally, you know, give in this relationship or in this process whatever or am I on it just because I want to feel a little good about myself and um I think for me like the second reason isn't enough and it always I always catch myself because I'll get them and then about 20 minutes later I'm like I can't and I delete it you know like I just just can't do it and I, I just know that like my reasoning here is just so I feel a little better about myself or um Maybe I'll go out on a date, but I don't know. I just first I just want to meet someone authentically, so that's just like a thing. That's just a personal preference. Sure. But um, but yeah, I think uh, I think my friends and I at this age were kind of all in the same boat of like trying to figure out like who are we with no one else in the picture, you know? And I think it's important um, as young women and men to uh to learn. And that's, we're just trying to navigate it. I agree with that. That's a good question to ask yourself. Yeah. Who am I? Um, but really, though, like, it's tough to yeah. know. Um, I'm curious about New Year's Eve 2017. Oh, no. 
you had you had a you had quite the experience and I I would love I would love to hear the story from you because I don't think I've actually ever heard this story from you yeah um I mean I'm gonna assume you're referencing the car crash oh yeah 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 so um because there were there was a lot that happened on New Year's Eve 2017 Uh, you scared me there for a second um no yeah I'm going with the car crash I I think I made it yeah (laughs) um yeah so I was home alone and I think my parents were out at some party or I don't know my brother was out whatever and I uh parents were raging and you (laughs) raging and I was sitting at home um no but I was leaving my house I was getting ready to go pick up my friend and I think that I decided to go turn on the tv um or I did something like just so it like looked like people were home or whatever so you know like little precautions would do or I turned out the lighter I did something um so there was like a 30 second interval of when I like stepped out the door at first turned around to go do that like last thing that I did. Um, and then I went back outside and I was walking across the street. I had just made it onto the sidewalk across the street when I heard like this skidding, this bang. And I just was like, my back was, you know, like facing this car crash that had happened behind me or was happening behind me. And I kind of just like for a split second was like, okay, like I'm about to get hit by this car. Like I, I know that it's right there. Um, and I didn't luckily. And I turned around and one car was halfway in my lawn in my front of my house. And the other car was like just inches away from me, uh, away from the sidewalk that I had just stepped on. Um, and so had I decided to spend, you know, a couple extra seconds in the house, um, I would have been between those two cars crossing that street. Um, so that was a really, uh, scary, like I was shaken up, like, and I, that was, it was an interesting time in my mental health anyways, because I, um, I had extreme anxiety, um, and I was already nervous (laughs) because it was New Year's and I was taking, going, Oh, <laughs> we love that. <laughs> wow, this it is, is really long. Life. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, Jeez. okay. Oh man, it's geez, you're gonna talk about tomorrow. <laughs> That oh, was gosh. amazing. Yeah, that one's not going to make it. That, yeah, that, that <laughs> not. Actually, you know what? Keep it. We're real. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That was amazing. Um, I was a little scared, but we're fine. Um, no, yeah, so I was already, like, I had anxiety. I was already nervous because my friend and I were going out, and uh, it was oh, kind of a little date going on, so I was nervous about that. Um, and I, uh, I, so I was, like, shook up from it, and I just, you know, I went about my business when went and picked him up and we sat in my car just for a little bit before leaving so I could just like regroup but um the reason it's significant to me and the reason you know like kind of the story is because there have been times when I'm doing not great and I'm low and um there was one time where I was driving and I just was like so 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 sad I just I, I had been through it there was just a 
really not great situation I, I was in. And um, I remember just thinking like, gosh, I wish I could crash my car. Like I wish it could just be done, you know, like, cause I was thinking that's better than yeah. getting through this. Um, and then I remembered that moment on New Year's 2017 and remembered uh, there was a situation where I could have been in the middle of a wreck and it, I mean, pretty much would have killed me. Like it was, there was, no, you know, sure. there was, I would have been sandwiched between the two of them. Um, and it reminded me of that. I don't want to say like fresh start or anything, but like a fresh perspective on, uh, you know, just like God's will and, and the plan for my life that I don't have control over. And, um, and also just, you know, I don't think that situation, you know, obviously didn't cure my mental health, but it, it's a good way for me to look back and be like, look, I could have died that night. Um, technically we could have died any day, you know, you never know. I'm, and like, I'm a surfer, I could get, you know, pummeled by a wave or eaten by a shark or whatever. Like anytime I could get a Mm -hmm. deadly concussion on the ice. Like there are so many ways that like my life could end. Um, but it hasn't, and I'm here and I don't want to be the reason my life ends, you know? And, um, so that was just a, a good, I don't know, a really scary, but good experience for me to look back on and and appreciate that I am here and that I'm given these, um, I don't know, these extra days to keep on figuring things out, you know? Yeah. That is such a wild reminder too. Like, I, I, I can only imagine that every time you're getting to a place like that, you hear the sound Mm. of the car, you know? Um, so I'm happy you didn't get sandwiched is what I'm saying. Thank you. I am too. (laughs) I'm happy you're here. Thank you. We can agree on that. Okay. Um, this is the second to last question. All right. Hit me with it. I'm ready. This is coming from one of your blog blog posts, and I don't necessarily want you to go into the interaction you had Mm -hmm. with the guy, Mm -hmm. Um, but the blog post was about a guy who kissed you when you repeatedly told him Mm -hmm. no. What do you wish guys would know outside of the obvious no means no? Like, yeah. That's, you know what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's... I look back on that. It's interesting because I've, uh, I don't know, I've been in situations since that that are similar. And I think, like, also I've, you know, seen that guy since and I don't harbor bad feelings towards him or anything. I think, I, I think from this perspective, looking back, like, he was, well, maybe a little younger than me, like, that I am right now. Um and everyone my age were dumb. So, like, I, I'm not, like, giving him an excuse, but I also think, like, I think, uh, yeah, I think it was a bad experience. It was lame, and I, but I'm, I don't, just putting that out there that I don't, like, hate him or anything. Um, but. Looks good. But, yeah, I think, gosh, that's a tough question. I think not just guys, I think everyone should know, um, Sometimes we want something and then we don't, you know, like I went into that night 
initially, like, full disclosure, like, I I wanted his attention, you know, and I yeah. likely knew in the back of my head that he wanted to hang out with me because he thought we, you know, would whatever. Um, and I knew getting in his car, or I knew before he got there, I was like, oh, man, never mind. Like, I just freaked out. I knew getting in his car, never mind, yeah. you know. But I didn't say anything until it was, um, you know, until we were in that moment. And I, you know, I think something that I don't know if, I'm, I mean, I'm probably, probably guys go through it too, but I think sometimes girls, we don't really know how to just stop it in its tracks and say, you know what, never mind, like, this I, yeah, clean rejection is always Yeah, tough. and, like, and I just, like, changed my mind and, like, like, I, you know, I think I did want to kiss him, um, and this is from other experiences, too, like, you know, I've been in experiences since then where it's, like, you know, you kiss someone and then I'm, like, oh, you know what, never mind, like, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, and it's nothing, <laughs> not it's, worth and it, it's yeah. not even, like, against them or anything, it's just, like, I don't want to be doing this anymore, I changed my mind, but, like, how do we say that to people, and that's such a, um, I think it's okay to, to say, I think it's okay to be like, I, I thought I wanted this and I don't like, I'm so sorry for, you know, leading us into this situation or whatever. Sorry if you want something more from me, but this is, I think we just need to stop being so, um, worried about hurting the other person's feelings because we should never, ever, 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 ever do something we don't want to do, you know? Um, and I think it's just, it's hard. It's, and then there are of course situations, you know, where, um, you know, where you don't really have a choice and those are awful. And I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I really don't know how to speak about it. Cause it's, it's just a weird, weird thing. If any of that made sense. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Um, I think, I think the notion of anytime you're uncomfortable is a good time to, 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 to nip it in the yeah. bud. But um, there are times where you don't and, feel and like for, I, like speaking as a woman, like there are times where you don't feel safe saying no, you know, oh, and those yeah, are, that's yeah. just a whole different ballpark. Like, um, for whatever reason it is, but there are just times where, you know, like I said, like there are like you're being pressured you're being forced god forbid like whatever it is and there are just times where um I don't know it's that's where I'm like I don't even think I can can say just say no you know just tell him no because it's like yeah it's sometimes yeah yeah that's the thing and like obviously it's not just women like I, I just it's just it's really hard and that's why I think um I don't know if you if you have, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't even know how to talk about it. It's just, it's just hard. It's all, it's all preventative measures. Like anytime you can prevent yourself from finding yourself in those scenarios, like that's, that's rule. Yeah. If one. you but can, like yeah. You're saying, once you're in them, that's, it's almost like, uh, or I have active shooter training at mm-hmm. work. It almost feels like run, fight, run, run, hide, fight is, is the, yeah is the best thing you can do. But yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, I don't even know. That's a tough one. Haley, this this podcast is coming to an mm-hmm. end, and I've loved every single second of it. I'm so happy we finally got to me do something. Me too, <laughs> me too. 
And the final question is though, what since this is a life strategy podcast, uh, what what life strategy are we taking away from this podcast? Mm. You know, I think we've talked a lot about intentionality and perfectionism and where that ties into being a creative person and, you know, making whatever type of thing that we make. Um, I think... I think I want to take away doing things that are good for good for me, for people, whatever it is, you know, like, I think I just, I I don't know. I feel like we, we talked about how we kind of need to ditch the perfectionism and just do good things for people, for me, for the fun of it, for, you know, and, um, I don't know. I think that's what I would take away. Just just keep having fun with it. Yeah. I think mine is similar. Mine's along those lines of um like show yourself grace in addition to showing other people mm-hmm. grace. Um, especially in the perfectionism. And then I think the other thing that I got from this podcast is self love is so important, but it is no excuse to not take care of other people yeah i like that i like that a lot take care of ourselves take care of other people take care of the planet amen Amen. take care of consumerism take care of wendy's (laughs) wendy's the tenders are back spicy chicken nuggets of the kool-aid man take care do your part follow the pop tart yeah (laughs) there you go that's their new slogan do your part. Follow Pop Follow Tart. Pop-tart. <laughs> it's perfect. Haley, where can we find? It is perfect. Haley, where can we find you on the internet? Oh wow, you can find me at Haley Ruger on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find me on the YouTube. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know my my link. <laughs> I don't know. I think if you just youtube.com underscore you i just look me up no i think it's youtube.com slash Haley ruger as well i think oh yeah. nice um i gotta say your twitter game is fire <laughs> thank you you got you got tweets flowing got tweets for days yeah that's right yeah love that so please follow her on um twitter it's definitely where she comes alive <laughs> and you can see her interact with brands oh, oh man thank you Okay, Haley, thanks for being on the show. Bye. Oh, bye. Thanks for having me. Bye. 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 Are we done? Okay, okay bye. bye. <laughs>